Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly. My name is Chris, I'm your host, and I can confirm that to this point, I have never once thrown a missile at any of Jez, Phil or Rich. I might in the future, but I haven't to this point. As you can probably guess, quite a lot to talk about on this week's pod, so I will introduce the aforementioned trio and glad to have them with me as usual. Good evening to Phil, Rich, Jez, how are you all doing? I'm good. Thanks. Excellent. That's a, that's a happy chime from all of you. I like that. <laughs> right. Um, we will, of course, address certain issues that happened off the pitch, and that will be our main focus of this week's pod. But before we do that, uh, it'd be nice to just kind of mention the stuff that happened on the pitch, of course. So let's go down the results first and foremost, because that's kind of the key part of the weekend's action. So on Friday, we saw PSG uh, once again not look entirely convincing, but uh, nevertheless running out four two victors away at Brest. Uh, they're certainly entertaining so far this season with goals in both ends. And the Herrera, of all people, have been the scoring, killing Mbappe with a second with his head, of all things. Frank Honorat pulling one back for Brest, who had a brief spell where they looked like they were back on, on top or certainly within a chance before Idrissa Gray smashed one in from 40 yards. I think it's probably fair to say there was some rather iffy goalkeeping from uh, Brest's new keeper on the night. Um, I think if he would be putting it politely, he had a shocker, uh, young Bizot, unfortunately. Uh, Stephen Munier pulled one back for Brest to make it 4-3 before Ankel Di Maria wrapped up the points to make it 4-2 in stoppage time. Uh, on to Saturday's games, Monaco losing again. We'll uh, discuss that in a bit more detail later, but they lost at home to Lens. Uh, watch this game. Uh, Ginago with the opener. Um, again, goalkeeping blunders ahoy. Alexander Nubel in the week that... Uh, that uh, my one of my favourites, Lecomte, was sold to Atletico Madrid. Monaco might be having a look at their goalkeepers again and thinking, was that the wisest choice? As Newbell uh, rather blundered his way into that opener from Ganago. And uh, Banza scored the late breakaway goal. Decore was dismissed for Lens. And similarly, Golovan also saw red for Monaco. Both poor challenges. I thought the Decore one was a little harsh, if I'm completely honest. But, you know, referees will be referees. Tuna win for Lens. Good result. Say again, sorry. His coach. You're 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 coming to me. Are we again coming coming you're, to you're, the room? You're, you're coming to me live from the trap door. Say again, Jeff. Frank Ayres, the last coach, reads that the curé should have been sent off. He did, did he? Okay. All right. Well, that shows what I know. I I just thought it was a little bit. I can see why he went. Let's put it that way. But I I don't know. I just. Felt like the referee was a little bit whistle happy in this one. Um, but hey ho, it is what it is. If the Lons coach is happy with it, then I will bow to him. Um, two coaches that probably weren't happy with the scoreline was the Saturday evening game, which ended uh, once again. St. Etienne won Lille one, same as last season at the Geoffrey Guichard. A opening goal from Burak Yilmaz, and all seemed to be going quite well for Gorbanek and Co. Before uh, a young 19 year old defender, Sleeper Sal, popping up with the 85th minute header. A, a, Proper header as well, a proper defender's header up from a corner. And with five minutes to go, St Etienne got the probably just about deserved draw. I felt they were they were they were pretty good battling in the second half, particularly their their young charges. 
On to Sunday's games then. Uh, we will certainly talk about this one in a bit more depth in a minute. Leon 3, Claremont 3. Uh, some bloke called Jeremy Smith, I thought, summed this up rather well with a tweet and he said, Claremont are just a breath of fresh air. They're all sorts of fun. Certainly was the case on, on Sunday. Leon went 1-0 up through Mr Dembele's penalty. Uh, after a, a poorly clumsy challenge from Bastian, who didn't have the best afternoon, the, the uh, coach's son. Uh, Diamond uh, credited with an own goal for uh, Claremont's equaliser. It was, it really was a good header. A bit unfortunate for that to go down as an OG. Uh, Dembele doubled his tally to make it 2-1. And I think probably one of the best goals you'll see in European football all season was scored by Lucas Bricchetta, a lovely flowing 1-2 passing move, which pretty much dissected Clermont. And at halftime at 3-1, you felt that was probably game set and match. Uh, Clermont were having none of it. And super sub Roshani off the bench to score two in the last 10 minutes, one indeed in stoppage time. And it would be fair to say that had Mohamed Bayo had a little bit of fortune on his side, Clermont could even have won it in stoppage time. Really, really entertaining game that uh, asked more questions and answers for Leon, which again, we'll come into in a moment. Uh, elsewhere on Sunday, a couple of 1-1 draws, Bonge, uh, Bonge, Bordeaux and Angers, that's a combination of the two, that ended up in a 1-1 draw. Uh, Seiko Mara, big fan of his, he got the opener for Bordeaux. Clever finish that across the goalkeeper before uh, Romain Thomas equalised for Angers. So we'll, we'll draw there. Uh, I do not and... think that Bernardoni had a bit of a... I, I saw that, yeah, I think I think Jez was on the same lines as this. I, I actually want to say it was more clever from Mara because he, um, I think he wasn't through the defender's legs, but he certainly shot the opposite way that any goalkeeper, I think, would have been expecting. Although Bernardoni was heavily flat-footed but uh I don't, I don't think it was clever from Mara I don't know why everyone's suggesting that do you, not, sort of really do you not think thing. do you not think he aimed for that corner yeah I think he aimed for that corner but mm. I don't think it was like some amazing disguise or anything and Bernard only just left a massive gap at his near post and didn't yeah. even move for it I do agree with that it, it was poor positioning from the, from the goalkeeper but I, I did think it was clever centre forward play I don't think it was out you know I think it's Latin-esque, but it was certainly clever to to spot the gap. I thought, but um, yeah, uh, maybe a mixture of the two. We'll, um, we'll we'll go with that one. Um, yeah, Mets uh, pulling out one one draw for you, Jez, on Sunday. Uh, Rams taking the lead early on through Mentesi, uh, Manetsi. Sorry, I always get that one all the way around. He opened the scoring for the away side before Mega equalised for Mets. That game ending in a stalemate, one one draw. Same could also be said of Strasbourg and Trois. Uh, disallowed goal in this one as well. Tuzgar putting Trois ahead before Adrian Thomas and equalising Strasbourg. And uh, and I could say there was a disallowed goal in this game, so it could have gone either way, but a draw was what they had to settle for. Um, and there was a, a fraudulent refereeing display in Montpellier 3. You said, you, you said... Looking at bad goalkeeping as well. Uh, all right, fine. Anyway, uh, as a Lefay uh, potentially credited with the opener, although it was uh, suggestive uh, an own goal from Bertal to put... Lorient on front, so uh, referee... Yeah, yeah, stuff happened and things. Mavididi and Andy Delorc, who is seemingly on his way out of Montpellier, which is not good news. Phil's mm. charges, but uh, he got the third. Uh, Ubalang Mendes and uh, Ergel were both sent off for Lorient. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a bit biased, but there were some very questionable decisions in that one. I think it's fair enough to say that much at least. But uh, yeah, ultimately a 3-1 win for Montpellier. 
And uh, and Rich was a happy chappy on Sunday as his side won the derby. Uh, Ran one Nantes, nil Martin Terrier, opening his account for the season uh, with the sole winning goal in that one in the 58th minute. Good performance there for Ren uh, on the week that apparently uh, Eduardo Cavavinga has, uh, has pretty much said that he's played his last game for the club. We shall see what that what well, happens. Whatever. Yeah. Who, who cares about him anyway, Rich? You know, who cares? Like, whatever, dude. Uh, and finally, which nicely segues us into the first talking point of the weekend, uh, Nice. One slash three, Marseille nil. I say slash three because uh, this was eventually declared a walkover. Why, I hear you ask? Well, Gaspar Dolberg had put Nice in front with a very cleverly chested finish at the near post, uh, despite both goalkeepers having made spectacular saves um, and under at the grand old age of 73, making a couple of blinding saves in this particular game. But that was not the talking point. Jez, I'll come to you first. The talking point was what happened uh, sort of midway through the second half. Uh, Dimitri Payet was uh, off to take a corner for Marseille over on the left-hand side. We know this is a derby, of course, has to be said, uh, between Nice and Marseille. Crowd was a little hostile. There had been projectiles thrown throughout the game. Uh, Payet uh, took one in the what looked like the shoulder, uh, went down clutching his face. Another one was launched his way. He then decided enough was enough. He got up, launched, uh, I think, at least two bottles back into the crowd. And then it all went off. Uh, what did you make of it, first of all? I mean, what was your immediate thoughts? Because I, I agreed with a lot of what you tweeted last night. And, you know, we don't want to see it. But where does the blame lie? And, and who do you give the support to in the aftermath? Um, first of all, very quickly, I would say midway through the second half I'd say only 15 minutes left and Marseille didn't look at all like getting back into it because yeah, yeah, some things that happened um I the fault is absolutely with with Nice with the Nice fans um the the uh, River and Fournier both come out with the usual bollocks about they're not real fans they are real fans they're always real fans whenever there's hooligans it might be a minority it might not but don't say they're not fans and sort of belittle it the the behavior was disgraceful um whether it's just the fans fault or not good enough security or the nice fan the nice authorities should have already thought that this kind of thing might happen and sort of put netting to stop projectiles reaching the pitch um, all of that is debatable, but the bottom line is the fans should not be throwing stuff at, um, uh, well, anywhere, but so not at players. Um, there's also a, an argument that maybe if Bastien, uh, the referee, had, had sort of halted the match a little bit earlier because the, the projectiles have been going for quite a while, then maybe it wouldn't have escalated to that point. Um, but, yeah. Bottom line, and <clears throat> everything goes back to that. If the fans weren't throwing the projectiles, nothing that came afterwards would have happened. There's people that have had a go at Payet for, for reacting the way he did. Personally, I I think anyone who listens to this will know that I'm not necessarily Payet's biggest fan, but I, I don't blame him for what he did at all. I mean, he was the one that seemed to be the target for most of the match anyway. And then when you're actually hit by something... Um, I, I think it is probably a relatively natural response to kind of lose it a bit and, and throw something back. So, um, so yeah, I don't I don't have too many issues with what he did. Um, but then it sort of all went off, and um, I, I guess then it's all you know. There's a lot of sort of he 
said, she said, or he said, he said, um, about who did what afterwards. I mean, it's almost, if it wasn't so sort of disgraceful, it's almost funny that apparently it sort of, you know, it started off with the supporters and the players, and then it all went off on the bench, and then it all went off in the presidential suite. And then apparently even a couple yeah. of the kids that did one of the halftime challenges, even they tried to get involved and sort of their, their teachers had to pull them off the pitch. Um, so I think there was a little bit of everything going on everywhere. Um, I, I think, again, like I said, bottom line is absolutely the fault has to start and kind of end with Nice. But I also do think that some of the behaviour of some people involved with Marseille should be looked at. Guendouzi and Gonzalez, I think, did sort of um, kind of exacerbate the situation with their reactions. Gonzalez thinks, well, that's just typical yeah. Gonzalez and Guendouzi. And, and you know, may, they shouldn't have done that. And part of me thinks they're defending their teammates. So maybe it is kind of fair enough. I don't know. But then, you know, the Marseille, I think it's the physical trainer basically knocking out like literally just right. I shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't um, laugh. A Nice fan. Well, to be fair, that Nice fan, I don't think was doing anything. No, he wasn't. <laughs> apparently he's still in hospital. Mm. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't think that's funny at all. Um, it was, it was, yeah. it's not the act that I found funny. It was, it was the, it was the posturing almost. It was the, like, as you said, he was the one guy who probably didn't actually go towards anybody and just got kind of it was uh, yeah it was the taken out but no i agree it's probably not amusing but yeah. carry on um apparently the marseille security guy threw a couple of punches at justin clivert um there's apparently well I, I, again it depends if you want to believe it or not but the interview that that Lekipa published with uh, River and Fugnier, who the, the Nice bosses, they said that some of the um, behaviour of Longoria and a couple of other Marseille people in the presidential suite was completely unacceptable. I think Sam Pauli, I know you're a fan, I think he's absolute scum, I have to say. I think he's I'm a fan of his football. absolutely repulsive bloke. Mm. I thought he was completely out of order, his, his behaviour. Um, so I really think there's fault all round, but the bottom line is it has to start. And sorry, going back to what I said earlier, I think Marseille were absolutely right within their rights to refuse to play. But I still think that had they been leading, they would not have refused to play. Um, so mm. I do think it was kind of convenient for them as well. But again, it all, none, none of everything that followed would have happened if the Nice fans hadn't been throwing projectiles. So yeah. it's got to go down to that. And the most frustrating thing, I know I sort of flippantly said that, and I do kind of believe it as well, that all these people saying, oh, this is terrible because everyone's watching Ligue 1 and it's a terrible advert. Uh, part of me kind of thinks it's sort of not because people tune in for this kind of thing as well. But... It's not really acceptable. And it's it's such a shame because, as we've said the last couple of weeks, it's been such a good start to the season. Um, this weekend as well, you know, six goals, first match on Friday night, six goals, Lyon, Clermont, some great football. Even in this match, there was some really good football. Um, you know, there was so much sort of heading into this game to, to be excited about and sort of looking forward to, to talking about some of the football we'd seen. And then... 
it comes down to this. And it's frustrating because we know there's been so many issues of different kinds with French football over the, the last couple of years and, and obviously the TV rights and, as usual, the whole league being absolutely pillaged by, by the Premier League, although, of course, it's PSG who are apparently destroying European football competition. Um, there's so many issues. And just as it seems like we're all set for what could be a really, really good year of, of Ligue 1 football, there's still always someone on hand to to stuff things up in one way or another. And yeah, it's just really frustrating. I think yeah. it's it's something we say often when it's to do with um, kind of verbals. Lads, if you've spent the whole match hurling abuse at the opposition, don't be surprised when they give some back. Mm. And I think that goes for hurling bottles as well. Um, you don't get to get your knickers in a twist when the guy you've just hit in the back chucks a bottle back at you. I mean, that's just... It does feel like there should have been intervention earlier on. I mean, we saw this in the Montpellier-Marseille match where people were arrested afterwards. Mm. I mean, the, the referee there stopped the match, told everybody to calm the fuck down, and... It worked. I mean, to a degree. We got the game done, yeah. But this was just well, they got allowed... the game done because Marseille were winning in that one. Yeah, it just allowed <laughs> to get massively out of hand. And I think the referee may have actually been in a very difficult position afterwards because the LFP people are there. If they say you've either got you've got to finish it, then he had to bring people back out. And if OM's um recent for not coming back out was we're afraid for our safety I think the referee has to be able to take that into account if you've got the CRS lining up in front of uh, the riot police lining up in front of both dugouts to stop anything else happening this this is not good and the odd thing I, I kind of idly thinking this while waiting for whatever the hell to happen was Galtier kind of have everybody on side up until this point. He was openly talking about recruiting little players and all of that business. And now this has happened. And it's going to be very interesting to see how that pans through to uh, the view of the management. But yeah, and uh, was he River uh, coming out and talking to the ultras and saying, yeah, it's going to restart, it's going to restart. And it's like, well, not if there's only one team. And then there was only one team. Yeah, they did try to read. I mean, that was just farcical, I mean, wasn't it? I mean, that, that yeah, doesn't help I think, the league. Was it Tom Williams' um, yeah. tweet where <laughs> um, they restarted with an OM corner, but OM weren't there. And he's like, yeah, Arsenal's done this in training. And, concede and would concede, yeah. And well, um, I can confirm we would. But it was, it was very bad. I mean, we're used in French football to seeing the occasional stuff being chucked on the pitch, to seeing fumi, to seeing flares, to some stuff that you wouldn't maybe see in premiership stands. Mm. But people vaulting over the hoardings and trying to strangle people is not cool and yeah. I just want to have to say massive props to Dante with a captain's performance there and various other nice players for trying to stop 
the ultras to trying to calm things down and but it just was too much for them to deal with yeah uh, understandably so yeah i um, i i agree with jez there are some things that need to be looked at on the om staff side of things i'd say more than the players but uh this all came down to the Nice fans starting it and not being stopped early enough. Mm-hmm. And um, I have to say, whether you like him or you don't, um, fair play for Dimitri Payet to um, trying to hold back Sam Bowley, because I don't think I'd have been putting myself in that position personally. Um, Rich, what was your take on it? Because just just to chuck my five pence worth in, I think everything Jazz and Phil said is... Is pretty much bang on. My sort of, I had a tweet. I had a tweet exchange with somebody last night. For I don't know who it was. Forgive me, but um, they were basically saying, "No, oh, it's you know completely unacceptable of what what Marseille have done." You know, the minute you throw a projectile back, you you deserve what you get. And I sort of used the metaphor and I said, "Well, if I'm if I'm walking down the street and some random bloke comes up and pulls my hair, I'm not going to not lamp him." Because uh, with all due respect, you, you react in the moment. And we had an incident like this back in the old hybrid days. Premier League fans might remember Jamie Carragher was um, picked up a coin and rather than keeping it, threw it back into the fans. And that sparked a big incident back in, the, in those days in, in the Premier League or in the FA Cup, I think it was actually. To, to me, as Phil said there, th- this whole incident, what I couldn't get my head around was why... We didn't have the the apparent protocols of the referee taking the players off the pitch immediately. There seemed to be a, a disconnect of what was right and what was wrong. Alvaro Gonzalez's um, reaction, smashing the ball into the crowd, was was not bright or indeed clever, which I don't think he's particularly either of those anyway. Um, Gendouzi, I think, has actually been dragged into this because of his reputation alone. I don't think he actually particularly did anything to incite. I think he was trying to protect well, his teammates. He, he, he confronted them. Oh, yeah, he, he certainly offered about was, 20 uh, people out. He was didn't certainly he? offering to see some of them out on the promenade yeah. down Glare, I think. Which, which uh, I don't think he will ever change. In but, that, by the way, in the Nice owners' interview, they, again, I don't know if it's true or not, but they suggested that Gonzalez and Granduzzi were riling up the crowd all the match. Like, mm. but, but isn't... But isn't insulting them and stuff. But isn't that part of uh, almost like what I think what Phil's saying there? If you if you give it, you've got to take it. Like these are professional footballers. You know, part of the game is psychological. That the crowd, the crowd will will give you vitriol and abuse the whole game. You know, mostly of course verbal. And I'm not saying it's right, but it happens. When you cross that line as a fan, you, you can't sling stones over someone's fence and then moan when they chuck one back once a year. Like you I, know, gonna... I agree on that bit. I'm saying on the other side that yeah, it doesn't help. Yeah, when Duzi and Alvaro sort of started it, if you are yeah, I've read the the yeah. Nisa put out a press release, and you read it, and it's all the usual sort of waffle about oh, you know, it is it is a minority. Um, you know, we do condemn it. Those those who have found to have have. Um, you know, done wrong, deserve to be punished. Um, but then very quickly it moves on to we as a club have been pushing for nets to be put up, but as we're only the tenants, we're waiting for the owners, obviously the city owners, um, to do that. We, we'd we even offered to pay for the nets. Now we're going to be putting them in. Well, that's convenient timing. And then there's a great whole section then on basically putting up 
hefty chunk of blame on on Marseille. Um, basically, the entire Marseille delegation, that's players, coach, staff, managers, security personnel. I mean, there's a lot of blame to go there, but it's very quick. It, it, there's a big, big, you know, passing the blame around at the moment. Um, LFP also released a, a statement and they put, in terms of obviously everyone questioning, well, you know, why, why were Marseille being sort of strong-armed into continuing? Well, they're now putting it, LFP are now putting it on, saying, well, actually the, the prefect, um, you know, Mr. Bossman in, in the region, um, he made the decision in order to... Um, I think they use the phrase maintain public order and safety for the 32,000 fans. And it's like, well, yeah, but the 32,000 fans haven't been, uh, you know, none of them have, have been the victim here. Those that have been the victim have brought it on themselves. What about the, the safety of the Marseille players who were the ones that were attacked? Um, it's not like Marseille are going to come back out and unprovoked stop lobbing things into the crowd mm. so it's it's a little bit there's a lot of unsavoriness that's come from this and and the fact that Marseille come out of it with a you know well they forfeited the game they're the ones that are punished it's 3-0 to Nice and that's how it gets marked down I genuinely can't see that staying um, when the two clubs face the LFP which I think is Wednesday um, I can't see the final outcome of this being a forfeited game on on the side of Marseille and Nice being given the three 0 win, I just can't see how any logic ends up. I mean, I'm, logic and I'm LFP sure. obviously don't go hand in hand, but Further I don't rule, know how the LFP sure can, can stand by. Uh, they have they have to at least play those last ten minutes. Yeah, as they, they have so. they have they, they you can't. You can't have a game that's missing those. You can't replay the whole match. I mean, that playing the last 10 minutes is the logical thing of that's what should happen. But I, I, I personally world. don't see it happening. What I do potentially see is the whole game is replayed. Yeah, that's my thing. Um, but, you know, there's going to be stadium bands. There's going to be all sorts. The one one of many things, but one thing that really, really irked me and troubled me slightly was initially once it all kicked off, I was, I was, I sort of praised um, Rivera for his, the fact that he was down there straight away. He was, you know, he was trying to lead the, lead the charge in terms of calming things down. We want to get the game finished. Then once it became apparent, that actually there's going to be a lengthy delay here. He came back out and he was on the microphone in front of that stand, in front of the ultras, um, sort of pleading with them to stop kind of thing. Um, we want to continue. The game's going to continue, but, you know, you've got to get back. You've got to do this, that and the other. And then there's a picture of one of the guys that he's sort of almost, quote unquote, negotiating with. I can only presume he's a head senior ultra or whatever mm. but he's got a, a shirt on and the logo on the shirt is very clear to me it's nf in the style 
certainly that made me and my other half who has no interest in any of this but she saw that picture it looks remarkably like the national front logo mm. nf and underneath it says nissa fans well nissa obviously being nice in, in the regional dialect that's just pure coincidence but it's an nf but seriously if you, if you see the national if you see the national front logo the national front logo is exactly the same in terms of how the N and the F are stylized. Add on to the fact that the NF is colored in by um, the Confederate flag. It's, oh, it's, not, it's not a good look, you know? And for the, the, the president of Marseille, you know, head honcho there, to be nice. seen negotiating talking engaging with this guy who's got this shirt on is frankly it's very worrying you know that that people like that and uh, you know are allowed these shirts in why why isn't there anybody saying you know that's it cannot be coincidence that 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 logo is the one that that group have chosen Mm. It, it can't be and for me that just felt Actually, through all of this, they've inadvertently thrown more light onto a, a, a matter which, if they hadn't have thrown it, no, we wouldn't have known. We wouldn't have seen that guy mm. in that shirt if they hadn't have done all this messing around. But the fact that they did, now for me, shines the light on that. And, and for me, that then is another, you know, we can go into the depths of ultras and, and links to, you know, right or left, wherever you want to sit, but... For it to be something that's quite as visible as that, and I'm I'm not I'm not really buying the. It's just an unfortunate coincidence it, that that doesn't wash with me at all. But that being so um, visible, I suppose, and it, it being such closely connected to Rivera in terms of here is the man negotiating with the you know the the ultra that's wearing this. This T-shirt, it's Nice do not come out of this well at all Um, from the the security personnel to the way that fans behave. But then there's also this as well. Uh, Big, big questions have to be asked. It really does. Yeah. I I want to move on from this, but Phil and Jazz, I'll give you one one last uh, go at this before we move on. Sorry, I was just thinking back to... You know, the last match of 2012, when Montpellier uh, won the league, they were playing away at Auxerre. Auxerre were already down. Auxerre fans were massively, massively um, angry with their club's uh, leadership. And they were chucking tennis balls and toilet paper and apples for some reason and tomatoes and uh, <laughs> and uh, no but it wasn't it wasn't bottles it wasn't kind of dangerous stuff if it hit you um but the crs cleared out the stand behind the goal the the referee stopped the match the crs went in cleared the tribune and the match was finished. Now, it feels a bit like 
maybe it's easier to clear a stand at Auxerre. Uh, what could you do at Nice? Where would you put everybody? But it's not like we haven't seen this stuff before in French football. Bastia have, shall we say, something of a uh, reputation. Ah, previous. <laughs> was it was a few seasons ago when Bastia fans attacked the Leon uh, Leon players? That yeah. get, that get that game was that game was called off, and I think Bastia were deducted points. I think, if I remember rightly. Things about and so I agree with Rich that I don't think that uh, this should be allowed to be a walkover, but French admin is French admin. There are rules and they make it clear where you, if you restart a match, if you have to replay an entire match, if you just do the last bit, and if the LFP delegates were the ones that instructed the referee to restart, and that strikes me as not something the LFP is going to back down from. Well, that's that's where the, I think that, that statement from the LFP is interesting because they're putting the onus of, of the decision to, to play on on the um, on the prefect rather than it wasn't their call; it was at the, at the behest of. Yeah. And of we local saw regional authorities. On, on the Friday, um, there was criticism of the Prefecture of Brest, who said you can't come into the stadium if you're wearing a PSG shirt. And everyone was like, that's a bit much. But maybe it isn't. Maybe the prefectures should be looking at what could be happening and dealing with that. I know with the Montpellier-Marseille match, there was a lot of criticism of the in-stadium security. And I think that's also something that really, really has to be looked at because there is no way that 30 or so guys should be able to invade the pitch. I appreciate stewards are usually volunteers. They're not being paid. They're certainly not being paid enough to stop something like this. But... They move out of the way and let them go on. It's that is a problem. Yeah, yeah. Final, um, final take on this, Jez, before we move on to things on the pitch again. Um, in terms of like whether the match should be replayed or not, I mean, personally, I don't think the whole match should be replayed. And like I said, I am slightly skeptical about whether Marseille's sort of decision was purely based on on player safety. Um, I don't, you know, I can understand them being absolutely freaked out by what happened, but I don't believe that there would have been any question of anything happened, happening to them once the CRS are involved. Um, and I, the problem is that you're sort Unless of... Unless the CRS to, did it. So. Did what? The thing. No. What thing? You know, if you're saying you're not worried about anything while the CRS are there, it will be because the CRS are the ones causing the problem. That's just a minor point from going to game. Okay. Um, I th yeah, I just I think then the the rules which are not clear need to be extremely clear about what happens in a situation like this, and then sort of going forward, everyone everyone's clear on that. Obviously. The, 
the real hope is that this kind of situation never happens again. But the problem is, in terms of setting a precedent, you know, if fans think that by, you know, if their team are leading by invading the pitch and throwing a load of projectiles, they can guarantee the win. Or on the other side, a team sort of thinking, you know, we can sort of engineer somehow a situation where we don't have to finish a match. So I, I just think there's sort of shaky ground there. And I think part of the problem is that there is an element of ambiguity in the rules as to, as to what should happen in a situation like this. Um, I, think, again, I think that's an excellent point, by the way. Grown-ups here, and we should be thinking about grown-ups, and it shouldn't even come to this because no one should be going to a football match with the intention of throwing stuff at, at, exactly. at, at players or not even just throwing stuff at players, just basic, you know, bad behaviour. Acting like a dick. Match to watch football, especially after, yeah. what is it, like a year a year out. Yeah, exactly. More than a year. And, you know, we'll come to it and the next thing we're going to talk about. But this could have a... Nice were very, very, very well set to have a very good season. Mm. And this could have a serious, you know, whether it's at, at best from their point of view, a long you know, fans having a long ban, at worst, losing points, this could have a serious effect on their season, and it's ridiculous. Okay. And in terms of people coming out well, I think, um, yeah, definitely most Nice fans didn't cover themselves in glory. And even sort of, I read that by the end of the match, that the, the team sort of applauded the fans. I think it depends which fans they applauded. But if they, if they went to applaud that corner of the ground, I think that's a pretty stupid thing. But I, of all the people, I thought actually, my respect for Gautier, which already was quite high, has actually um, gone even higher because he is a bit of a hothead. And remember, this is someone who's previously had a ban for when he was an assistant manager, possibly actually at Marseille, punching a, uh, an opposing player. So yeah. he's even got a little bit of previous there. But I thought he actually sort of stayed very calm, seemed to be with Dante, that one of the people who was trying to kind of mediate with Marseille and obviously for relatively selfish point of view to, to try to get the match finished as well but certainly when everyone else was losing their heads around he didn't seem to be and you know there were nice shots of him sort of joking around with with Montanda and giving him a big hug and stuff and and again it's a shame that you know, he has started this season really well off the back of what he did last year it was kind of really set to show that you know, it wasn't sort of just working out at Lille that he really is a, a sort of transformative coach wherever he goes. Mm. Um, and it's a shame if various other elements of his new club kind of ruined that for him. Yeah, yeah, it was a good, it was a good game actually as well. I thought until all that went off, it was um, boiling up to finish quite nicely. I think uh, Nice looked like the side that were going to win it, but um, Marseille had their chances, and that's a couple of decent saves from either keeper and some good standout performances on the night. So it's a shame that that is what uh, came of it. Alaba um, had a good game, didn't he, Chris? Uh, let's not, let's not, Jess. Let, let's not. I'm, um, I'm, I'm very unpopular on Twitter at the moment, and I'm thoroughly enjoying being right. Let's just say that much. But uh, yes, he he absolutely did, and uh, less said about his parent club, the better. Uh, so let's not talk about them. Let's talk about uh, Leon Monaco and Lille. Uh, Rich, I'm going to start with you first on this one. Um, I don't really know where to begin, so I'm going to kind of just collide them all together in a one big mishmash of mess. Uh, 
I guess Leon, Leon, sorry, are the big story here because once again, they spectacularly threw away a seemingly comfortable, uh, well, I say comfortable, Clermont were excellent on the day and I want to give them full credit because they, they never gave up and I think they probably merited a draw in the end, if not more. But uh, Leon were in a winning position uh, twice and by two goals at one point as well, only to throw that away. Monaco, I sort of feel like they've got, of the three, the most excuse given their their Champions League um, sort of early stages, etc. And shout out to me for saying that they would probably get through Shakhtar Donetsk fairly comfortably. That worked out well in the first leg. Whoops. And then there's Lille, who, you know, I think we all expected them to to not be up there as, as championship sort of um, uh, successful defenders, I guess. But they have still kept together the majority of the squad for now and yet are really struggling to find that killer instinct you can have your pick of those three or you can mention all three but what do you think is going wrong and try and leave out PSG because I'm going to use Jez for that one because he made a very good point about them on Twitter yesterday but what do you sort of think that this has to to say about the the challenge perspective challenges this season in Liga if those three are playing the way they are um, well I think to, to sort of almost cover off Lille I think Lille are the team I probably can afford the the most amount of slack to um, because yes, whilst they've they've kept you know, they've kept the core of that team together, key elements of it have gone. Obviously, Galtier is, as Jess just touched on, fantastic manager. Um, you know, he was clearly one of the most significant, if not the most significant, parts of that team. You've lost Mike Mignon in goal. You've lost Bubakari Sumare. Now, although Sumare obviously had a you know, he came good towards the end of the season. I think the thing you've got there is you had an established, you had an established midfield. You almost had uh, Sumare, Andre, and uh, Renato Sanchez. Now, a recent example would be the midfield duo of uh, Fabinho and Bakayoko in that championship-winning Monaco team. Bakayoko left. Fabinho, I felt, was nowhere near the form that he'd previously been in. Who you're playing with has a big part on, on who you're playing. And it's no coincidence with Sumare gone and um, question marks over Renato Sanchez's future. It's, it's being hidden under a cloud of an injury at the moment. Um, but clearly there are clubs interested in signing him. Benjamin Andre. He's completely gone off the boil. That midfield, he's no longer able to boss as well as he was last season. It, it has a knock-on effect, losing players. Not just the obvious they themselves have gone, it's then how the other players are impacted by that. And it's clear that Lille as a team, as a squad, are imp- have been impacted quite severely with those sort of key player losses and also obviously the manager as well. Um, so there's sort of slightly extenuating circumstances, I think, to Neil in terms of my expectations weren't great in terms of, you know, them mounting a, I don't know, top three, top four challenge. I thought, you know, with, with things that had happened over the summer, I think the season of, you know, sort of sixth, seventh could well, but could well be on the cards. Um Leon, I mean, I dare talk about Leon because I dared question Janina on Twitter and I got hauled over the coals by Leon 
fans who <laughs> who, of us who, this weren't, weekend, then? who weren't keen on on, on that. Your mouthpiece. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Monaco. I'll, I'll, I'll sort of focus then on, on, on Monaco. I mean, I can't remember. Was it? it might have been um, Jonathan Johnson. It might have been him over the weekend. Said I'm sort of seeing what the sort of second season curse with Kovac is mm. um, because he seems to seems to have that issue. He's just not getting them to gel. Um, Midfield, I think, is is working reasonably well. Um, but defence, sixes and sevens, the attack, well, they're holding back Ben Yedder for Champions League. So his impact is is nowhere near as strong. Boadu, the, the young player that they brought in from, from the Netherlands, great prospect, but... He doesn't look like he can hit a barn door at the moment. Um, and, and confidence is clearly a thing for him. And Volland isn't hitting top form either. So they're not being able to put the ball in the back of the net. And then at the back, you know, they've got youngsters, a lot of youngsters who perhaps aren't used to playing together, inexperienced. There's, at either ends, there's, there's issues. Um, I don't entirely know why... Lecomte was was sort of frozen out and 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 pushed out. It's a weird one. He didn't scream as though he was a weak link last season. Um, so yeah, they're 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 being run and being managed very curiously. Um, and you know, you you could make a pretty strong case for Kovac being sort of first managerial casualty of the season because they're just not they're just not able to look strong at the back and potent up front in in the in the game certainly the league game so far this season aside from a sort of 20 minute initial spell against um uh, against Nantes I haven't seen Monaco look anything approaching a sort of ruthless, fluid, organised team. And a lot of that has to lie with with Kovac. And I don't necessarily see anything changing immediately. I think going out in the Champions League qualifying, that's not going to be a great look. Obviously, Shakhtar, um, despite what you said last week, Chris Shakhtar, I think, are one of the sort of slightly stronger teams in that qualifying bundle of, of teams. So, but again, you know, you would, you would think Monaco were aiming, yes, we can get beyond Shakhtar, but again, that performance in the, in the first leg, it really just highlighted, you know, those problems yet again, yeah. inexperience at the back, a lack of um, composure, a lack of, I don't want to say ability because the players have got the ability, but just not ruthless. You know, they, they're not just not able to convert the chances. Um, as I say, midfield, I think, are, are by and large doing their job. Fafana, Chumani, I think Gelson Martins to a, to a degree. Um, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with what, what they're doing, but they're not... They can't do it on their own. And if you've got a defence that doesn't look like they seem to know each other, 
and you've got an attack that don't seem to know where the goal is, then you've got problems. And it, it, it might not take much to get things sorted. No. You know, it really might not take much at all. It will just need perhaps Ben Yedder just to, to bag a couple of scrappy goals and bang, he's, he's back. It will just need, you know, time for those young players um, in defence. I mean, Sidibe aside, obviously, I mean, we've, we could probably go back six or seven years and we'd still be talking about the same issues with Jibril Sidibe of, <laughs> yep, he's OK going forward, but not at the back. But lo and behold, they still have him, still have him at right back. So there's, there's big issues that Monaco need to sort out. Um, and I suppose this will then segue onto the point I think that Jez may be making is, you know, Monaco were one of those that we all had pegged as a team, arguably most likely to push PSG. And whilst Monaco are dropping these sort of unnecessary points, that's not helping our desire, I suppose, for a, um, a sort of competitive run-in for the championship yeah yeah well let's um let's investigate that with with you then just now because you you did um you tweeted about this and i thought you were kind of spot on on this one i'm giving you too much credit so i need to give you something negative at some point but um jokes aside you you said that the point that a lot of people have sort of said oh yeah psg have signed these players they're rolling in and it's back to the farmers league because you know it's an easy win for them blah blah the point you were making was 100 correct wasn't it it's not psg's fault that they are you know scratching around a little bit for their wins but they're getting wins whilst the the three biggest clubs who sort of who possess a challenge are just not winning that that's not on them is it and by all means, inject your ten pounds worth into those those three clubs. Um, you know, if you want to focus on one club in particular, feel free. But that point you made, I think, is is completely vi- viable, and, and you can make that in a bit more depth now, if you like. Yeah, I think um, that PSG are going to run away with it, and you can kind of say, well, if you wanted to take a, a sort of farmers league if you want stance you can say well you know this isn't even psg's first team not even close to it especially in defense and they're they're still getting the wins even though they're not playing well which just shows how how skewed the league is i don't think it's as simple as that i think like i said i think they've been relatively lucky in all three matches arguably to to get away with wins but the fact is that they have got those wins and and ever since the start of the qsi project and and it's come out a lot obviously recently after after the messi and the the transfer window psg have had is you know well we were told that psg would pull everyone up the rest of the league to their level and you know where's the trickle down effect and all of this and there's been a lot of psg people saying Look, we're you know, yes, we're we're not denying we've got all these advantages, but we can only do what what we can do. We we are enabling there to be more of a spotlight shone on Liga, and you need to do your part. Obviously, the stuff of the TV rights is not anyone's fault, but you can take most of the other supposed big names and argue that they haven't always been run well or efficiently in the last ten years that's off the pitch and then on the pitch um, I know we always sort of laud the fact that compared to most of the other leagues PSG aside it is a relatively sort of homogenous or competitive league 
the fact is that the likes of Lyon and Marseille and Monaco and Lille off the back of last year to an extent should be kind of relatively dominant over the other sort of 15, 16 teams that are left. And even if not dominant, they should certainly be doing better than they are now. Now, If you, supposing we take yesterday's match as a last night's match and we say that um, Nice won it, that means that between them, Lille, Lyon, Monaco and Marseille in what 12 matches so far this season have won one match between them. That's yeah. not good enough. Marseille have won one. Lyon have not won any. Mas- Monaco have not won any. Lille have not won any. It's that's that's horrific. Um, and you look at the matches they've played. They haven't exactly been, on paper, the most sort of strenuous starts to a season either. So PSG can can turn around and say, yeah, okay, fine. We've got nine points out of nine. But the start of the season you've had, you should all have sort of five, six, seven, whatever. You certainly shouldn't be down at, at, you know, in the bottom two or three of the table. That's not their fault. And it's just not good enough. And I I don't think it's the case of of any of them sort of using PSG's power as an excuse for all of that. And I think that you can sort of take each case on its own terms and sort of find arguments for why it's happening or why they're maybe not you know absolutely purring or in fifth gear or whatever but one win between all of them is is nowhere near good enough Lille as as Rich said I think there is always going to be some kind of um, decompression or whatever after last season Monaco I think Monaco I'm probably the most disappointed with because um, they had everything in their favour that they've barely had any changes on or off the pitch since last year. If anything, they've strengthened the team. They, you know, supposedly had a pressure-free second half of last season. They didn't have Europe last year. So they were really well-placed to push on. And they've been awful so far. And I think a lot of the problems... I, I did always think that maybe... Last the second half of last year was a slightly false impression because they were playing with no pressure and now there was going to be more. Um, I also always thought that there were some issues with their forward line, but these are all sort of good pro- problems to have, good um, quandaries for, for Kovac to find a solution to, and he hasn't come close to doing that yet. And it's been really disappointing. And if they get not out of Europe, that's that's again, just really bad for French football as a whole and and simply not good enough. Lyon, just this weekend, I felt slightly sorry for them because I think they played some fantastic football at times. You mentioned the third goal, but generally the football was great and credit to Clermont for making it such an open match. And on the balance of play, I don't know if Clermont necessarily deserved the draw, but in terms of sort of not giving up and because they contributed so much to what was a good game. I, I certainly don't begrudge them the draw. I felt sorry, slightly sorry for Lyon just because they created so many chances. And again, it's partly their fault. They missed uh, a three-on-one or a two-on-zero, depending on how you want to look at it. There was another one where Dembele was extremely selfish and basically stole the ball off Cadawero's feet, yeah. even though he was much better placed to shoot. Um, but there were at least, I think, not defensively, they're still horrific defensively, but at least going forward, there were some positive signs that they can maybe build on. 
but again like i said these are all sort of like mitigating things the bottom line is one win so far three matches each between those three four teams is nowhere near good enough and and again i don't expect any of them to compete with PSG for the title, but I do expect them to give a good account of themselves to show that there is depth of quality in, in Liga. And again, you could flip it on the other side and say, well, the fact that they're not winning these matches shows that there's depth of quality because other teams are playing well against them. That there, there is that as well, but still they should be doing better than that. And whether it's the players' fault or the coaches' fault or instability off the pitch, I got you know I got in lots of trouble for daring to criticise Peter Bosch over the weekend, and <laughs> everyone's saying it's it's everyone's fault except his. I think fault can be shared, but whatever it is, Lyon should not be sitting on what is it one two two points and luckily maybe to, to have got both those points at this stage in this, in the season. Yeah, especially with the fixture list that was laid out before them. Um, Phil, it would be unfair for me to not give you a say on this one as well. I would ask you a slightly, slightly different question just to avoid sort of probably, I would imagine you'd agree with the boys, but is there, um, is there sort of any concerns you've got in terms of like the, the competitiveness of, of even the European spaces, but more like the quality of, of the league. I mean, we, we want to have these three clubs in particular and others joining them, raising their game to, to high levels so that we have got a competitive race. I think we're all, we all kind of accept the fact, maybe wrong, but wrongly so, but we accept the fact PSG have, have pretty much uh, put themselves in an uncatchable un- position for the league this year. But we want to see all these other clubs performing well and potentially doing well in Europe. And that starts in the league, doesn't it? Hello, was that for me? Yes, sorry, yes. Was... Okay. Yeah, well, I agree, but I think it's maybe a bit early to panic. Mm, that's fair. Yeah, I didn't put I mean, that idea. They, they do look shocking, but again, possibly a bit early to panic. Um, as you mentioned, Monaco lost uh, their home leg of the Champions League playoff to Shakhtar. Um but we've still got the window open. And while I wouldn't see many coming in, I think other clubs are going to lose players. We mentioned Delors earlier. That's going to put a big hole in um, Montpellier, for example, despite the rumours that Valais Germain, uh, one of our favourites, is going to be coming in. So I think this is going to be a case where after 10 games, we're going to have a better idea. I know Tarek is already panicking, um, as is his uh, DNA as a Lyon fan. But the places in the table right now, after three games, there's... It's not, it's all down to very fine margins. And once they start winning, which I'm pretty sure they will do, particularly if Monaco don't actually make it into the Champions League, um, you know, maybe by Christmas we'll all be saying, oh, yeah, we were, you know, panicking too soon. I just feel like it. it's a really nice stat. Um, that they've got five points between them. 
um, but that will not be the case in a couple of weeks. No, no, I yeah. think that's probably a fair this bit because um, that's probably going to be something you come back and hit me with at Christmas. Yeah, it's I, I do I do take the point. It is a bit early. I mean, we you know we are. Uh, I say we. I mean the collective we um, probably are looking at it and as you say, going a bit early because things can change very quickly, as indeed we know. So uh, yeah, it, it is interesting. The the Leon one in particular caught my eye because I think uh, say I know Jez was watching it at the time when I was as well, and it just was just a really good game of football. And and part of me wanted Clermont to get that result because they were just so fun and they're just they're just such a carefree uh enjoyable side to watch and the other part of me thought oh god i hope leon don't throw this away because the fallout is going to be nuclear and so it proved but um yeah it's, it's a strange one and, and maybe despite what happened last night maybe this is the season we do get marseille as, as the closest to to psg even if it is 20 points adrift or whatever it might end up being but um yeah it, it does seem like a bit of a strange start to the league and uh, and you have to factor in the new coach with with Leon, of course. Whether uh, a little like um, a hat tip to Wren, who mm. of course uh, were in the. It, we've now got a C four in France. Uh, Champions League is C one, Europa League is C three, and this new whatever the hell it is is C four. Um, and they won two 0 against Rosenberg in. The first leg, so that was nice. Some would say explosive. See what I did there. C two was the cup winners' cup now retired, uh, just for completions. I can't keep up anymore. All I know is that Spurs lost to some random Portuguese team in the week. That's that's all I know. So, and that's the only thing that can keep me happy with football <laughs> at the moment. So, I'll take that. Maybe uh, the Portuguese team on Sunday. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Wolverhampton Portuguese, uh, yeah, op- opposition. Um, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think you've all made very good points there, and I think it is, uh, it is, it is early in, in the season, and the fact that there's even league tables after three games, four games, five games is a little bit crackers. So we're not going to hang out the flags of panic just yet. But um, yeah, it's one to keep a close eye on, and yeah, we've got clubs down there that we probably expect a bit more of. And uh, we, we shall see where they all end up. And uh, I think Rich made a fairly good point there that maybe of the three co-batches under the most pressure, just given what he has achieved and given the fact there has been minimal disruption with Monaco so far, whereas I think the other two clubs have at least got that uh, element of saying, well, we have got a new coach, by the way, Governor. So we shall see. We shall see. Uh, right. Players of the week, boys and girls. Uh, anybody catch anybody's eye in particular this weekend uh um, oh there was a little excitable noise you made there yeah sorry because just because uh, i was watching leon clement and i know i've picked um Bayer, uh before mm. but i just thought the first two goals for leon demma actually made decent saves to start with just unfortunately <laughs> The first time he pushed it into the path of a Leon player who Gastian then went through. And uh, the second goal for Nambele was uh, a rebound, basically after a, a save. So I think he's going to be very, very important for them. But also, sticking with the Clermont theme, your super sub, Mr. Rashani coming on and getting those two goals to equalise when it I don't think 
anybody was thinking they were going to get a point from that at that point. No. They, no. they are, as we have gushed about them already, but very, very um, uh, impressive on those fronts. So I want to give some love to Guillermont there. Also to Steve Mounier, who was being roundly mocked on Twitter for being an ex-Huddersfield player up against PSG. And he did actually score against them. So, you know, fuck you. He was good for Montpellier and um, I'm sure he will be great for Brest again this season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's uh, he's nothing if not uh, consistent in terms of shooting back the criticism he gets. So fair play to him. Um, Jez, did you have a particular person in mind for this particular award this weekend? Yeah, I'm going to go for Romain Fair with Brest. I know all the seasons rolled into one now. So I don't know if it was, I think it was the start of last season where he looked really, really good. And everyone was wondering why Monaco got rid of him. And then like the rest of the Brest team, actually, his his forms really petered off. But um, he started this season really well. And um, I know that, that, that there are, I think, some English clubs who are, who are interested in him now. And um, two assists against PSG is bound to, (laughs) bound to attract more interest. But um, the first one in particular is definitely worth looking out for. Superb back heel that just kind of took out and confused the whole PSG defence and, and put, I think, on a last few uh, through for the goal. But really, really clever football. And it just shows that he's got a very good football brain as well as just basic footballing ability. And yeah. I still think that if he can maintain his good form throughout a whole season, he's going to be a, a big star. Yeah, good shout that. Good shout that. Um, well said. Well said. And uh, Rich, uh, anybody not playing for Rand that you enjoyed this weekend? <laughs> well, Jez, Jez has nabbed the player that uh, that caught my eye. So I'm afraid I'm going to have to be left with a Rand player. Um, Bergenelli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw your tweet actually. Uh, left back. You know, yes, he played really well last season, but I still have him as a slightly unfashionable, under-the-radar signing. Um, you know, all the all the sort of noise has been on, on Sunimana, um, has been on, on Santa Maria, but Melling has come in and he's just he's just a really, really nice guy. <laughs> Um, he play. I mean, he he puts his all when he plays. I mean, it helps that he's actually really good as well. Let's not do him a disservice by just saying he's a nice guy. He is actually a pretty damn good left back as well. Um, and then after the first derby win, the Ren fans have taken him to their heart because he was the only one to go round all four of the stands, thanking the fans for for their support. So it's just little touches like that that. Um, highlight that that he's a really good player, but he's also a really good guy. Mm. Warms the heart, doesn't it? Warms mm, exactly. Heart. Everybody, everybody likes having a player that they actually kind of like. Uh, I can't remember the last time that happened for my club. Anyway, um, right, excellent. Well, I think we've I think we've uh, we've more than covered this week's action, and um, yeah, some good stuff there. I, I knew that the majority of our time this weekend would be caught up with what happened last night, but I think we've more than covered it. So uh, before we go, let's have a look ahead to what we have in store next week. Uh, what do you need when you're struggling 
and uh, your manager's under pressure, a trip to Nantes. That's what you need. So that's what Leon have got on Friday night, the 8pm game, Nantes hosting Leon. And yeah, you would think the pressure is going to be ever so slightly tweaked up on Peter Bosch as he heads into this game with uh, Convoire's Nantes. Uh, we've got Nice. Again, what ramifications happened of last night as to whether Nice have fans on the ground or not. We shall see whether it turns around that quickly or not. That's the four o'clock game on Saturday, uh, followed by Marseille, not on a Sunday this week, but they are in the evening game, of course, uh, against St Etienne. That one could be quite spicy, meeting of two uh, sort of older giants, if you will, of the game. So that one will be worth a watch on Saturday night. Sunday, you've got Trois hosting Monaco. I believe, am I right in saying Monaco's second leg is this week as well? I think it's is it this week. Is it back-to-back weeks? I get yeah. so confused. It is. Okay, excellent. So, so it'll depend upon what happens there with their return game against Shakhtar as to what uh, side they are fielding and indeed what attitude they take towards that one. But a good opportunity to get points on the board against the newly promoted side. And then in the multiplex games, the 2 p.m., You've got Angers hosting Rennes, so I'm sure Rich will be tuning into that one. Oh, we do uh, Santa Maria. Oh, the Santa Maria. Are we going to call it the Santa Maria Derby? I don't know. Is that a bit? Santa Maria Rikai. <laughs> oh, very good. Not good. Uh, Glamon hosts Mets. Um, so, Jez, I'm sure you'll be supporting your boys with a, a sort of a, a gentle nudge towards some fun football at the same time as uh, Clermont, the home side in that particular game. Uh, Lons against Lorient. That's going to be a tough old battle, isn't it? Joy of joys. That's also a two o'clock game. And Strasbourg against Brest. Uh, in the battle of two clubs that you just don't really know what you're going to get from them this season so far, it seems anyway. So that may be worth taking in as well. And the four o'clock game sees Lille host Montpellier. A tough trip for Phil's men there, or however many of them are left by the time that fixture gets played out. And finally, Rams against PSG, which apparently is likely to be uh, Lionel Messi's debut. So, not um, Marseille. Sorry, say, say again, sorry. Not Marseille on Sunday night. No, no, no. They've got the Saturday night slot this week. So, uh, you know, they like to mix it up every once in a while. They'll be back on Sundays soon enough, I'm sure. But, uh, yes, the story will certainly be uh, Lionel Messi's uh, can he do it on a wet wet Sunday evening in Rams uh, Champagne, type. Champagne, football, etc. and so on. Indeed. If indeed he plays, of course, uh, be very much like PSG to go, oh, actually, we'll just pop him on the bench until we're ready to parade him at... Uh, I was going to say, surely they're going to save him for part of the press. You would think, wouldn't you? I, save him for Nice away. <laughs> I did. I must admit, I did sit in the back in my armchair last night and thought to myself, imagine if he's watching this, he must be thinking, Jesus, this doesn't happen at the camp noon, does it? That will be uh, quite the baptism of fire. You can only imagine the velodrome when he walks out there. I, I mean, but suddenly maybe... a pig's head doesn't seem that bad. No, it doesn't, does it? Neymar and Messi in the same side at the velodrome is going to be quite the experience when that game comes around. So, uh, yes, nevertheless, we will, of course, cover all those games and more next weekend whether there's Messi or there's not Messi, uh, whether there's Messi in the stands or not Messi. I mean, maybe, just maybe we can have a weekend where there isn't any controversy involving supporters and off-the-pitch affairs. Maybe we can just oh, keep come it on. The disciplinary committee is meeting on Wednesday. There's going to be admin to talk about. 
there will always be admin to talk about, unfortunately. There will always yes. be admin. At least, uh, at least VAR have got thicker lines this year, you know. Well, thank God for small mercies and all that. But uh, yes, nevertheless, uh, we will be back, of course, this time next week. Uh, all schedules, uh, pers- uh, assuming anyway that we can align them, I'm sure we can. But uh, yeah, um, please do keep in touch uh, if you have any questions or what. I think I answered one on the Twitter feed last night from one of our, our listeners. So if you are listening in, Thank you so much for joining us. We do appreciate it. Because if you didn't listen, it would just be us four uh, waffling on to each other, which, you know, we, we kind of enjoy doing, but it's always nice to know that people are listening in as well. So thank you to my panellists for this evening. Uh, thank you, Jez. Thank you. And thank you, Rich. Very much. And thank you, Phil. Thank you. So whichever game you are taking in this weekend, uh, do enjoy it. Uh, keep yourselves tuned into the podcast for next week. Enjoy your French football and we'll speak to you very soon.